Thanks for listening to Aqua Talk, where we discuss our role as aquatics professionals and advocate about the importance of water safety. Hey guys, welcome back to Aqua Talk. Today I am speaking with Carrie Menlo. She has been working for Making Wave Swim School, which is a specialized private swim school within the GTA for 20 years. Carrie and I speak about how to manage a large team, her success in making waves, and she gives us some advice on how we can manage our time and prioritize and um, not get overwhelmed by everything that managers need to deal with. So with that, I am very excited for you to hear this episode. So let's get going. Hey, Carrie, thanks for coming on today. Hi, Paige. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So today we're going to talk about um, management and because you manage a team, a whole big team, four facilities, an operations staff, you're doing a lot. So we're going to talk about all of that and if you could give some advice to us. But to start us off, what's your background in aquatics? Tell our listeners. So I, uh, I did swimming lessons as a child, obviously. My mom felt that it was very important for me to learn how to swim. And uh, when I was about the age of 14 or so, uh, all of my extracurriculars were getting really, really expensive. So my mom said, okay, Carrie, you need to pick which of your extracurriculars you want to stick with and um, try and consider something that could maybe be a job for you. And at that point in time, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. but uh, there was a head lifeguard at one of the local pools that I had a big crush on, so I went with aquatics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, that was what sort of made my choice. So I started volunteering at, um, it was then McMurchie Pool, it's Cobra now, and uh, just loved it. Fell in love with the environment, the culture, the people, um, you know, just how bubbly and outgoing people who are in aquatics tend to be. That pool actually got closed, and I moved to a different city pool, and then uh, I caught wind of Tiernan running uh, swimming lessons in backyard pools and doing his own thing, and I'd I'd known Tiernan from McMurchie Pool, and uh, he wasn't the one I had a crush on, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I was just Um, thinking that. (laughs) But I knew him, and, and we were friends, and so I ended up getting a job with him. Awesome. And, uh, and the rest is history. That's amazing. So you still work for Making Waves 20 years later. Yes, I do. That is so cool. (laughs) This was actually my 20th year in June. That's amazing. Tell us a little bit about your journey of where you started in Making Waves and where you are now. Well, um, I I started as a swimming instructor. Um, That was when Tiernan probably had a team of less than 10 that he was working with at that time. Uh, So I would go around to different backyard pools And then I started helping out in the office and then eventually helping Tiernan and Stephanie set up the the pools for the summer. Um, I remember building all the little like kits in recycling bins that would have this many flutter boards and that many watering cans and all these little things that the instructors would need and taking them out to all the different backyard pools that we were renting in the summer. Um, I was, I think what I've done well um, and that, you know, uh, Tiernan and the business have allowed me to do is, 
is systemize the different roles. Um, and so that's what's helped me replace myself and move on to different positions. Because what I've been able to do and help Tiernan with is take all of these roles and our program over the course of the last you know 20 years and turn them into roles that other people can replicate. And so then it's just been on to the next thing. I'm, I'm a very hard worker. I'm very passionate and dedicated about what we do. And I think Tiernan recognized that early on and allowed me the opportunity to, to climb the ranks. So Awesome. That's, it's just so cool to me that you're, you've stuck with that same company for 20 years. I know, so. me too. can't believe that much time has gone by. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. That's a big milestone. Thank you. Okay, so you overlook four facilities with their own managers as well as other HQ tasks. Can you give us some tips on how to effectively utilize and prioritize our time with all the administrative tasks versus the staff and customer service fires that we need to put out daily? Uh, that's a big question. Well, I think everybody, everybody has their, their strengths and everybody has their areas for improvements. Mm -hmm. And I think what we need to do a better job of is recognizing what our strengths are and not necessarily always trying to focus on just improving our weaknesses, but really honing in on the power that our strengths actually have. Mm -hmm. So I try to empower my management team to recognize what those strengths are and to start their day with those things that they think that they're really, really good at because that sets the tone for your your headspace, your mood, your energy for the rest of the day. So I would say, you know, know what you're good at and, and do it and, uh, and start with that and love what you do and do what you love. Um, but in terms of managing time, I try to give my team the, you know, the very same advice that I give myself. So I, I write everything down. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, you know, a to-do list because um, if it doesn't get written down, then you're not going to remember. Um, I oft, I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll start with the things that absolutely have to get done today, uh, and then move on to the things that someone else is waiting on you for, um, so that you're not holding up anybody else's progress. Yeah. And then try to do one thing each day that you really want to do so that you feel excited about something at the end of your day. I love that. How you're ending it off with your, your favorite task kind of thing this thing that you want to do the most start it or end it as long as you get something in your day that makes you feel good about it when you mm -hmm. go home and the best thing too I think is when you go home if you feel productive like if I go home and I'm like I don't even remember what I did today absolutely right absolutely and and that happens but it's just like oh I feel terrible right now you just have to remember too that you know at, in any career, but especially in management, mm -hmm. uh, things get thrown at you, right? I mean, as you as you alluded to in your question, like there's these administrative tasks, but then there's staffing and customer service fires that you often have to put out. And that's just the reality of the job, right? That's not going to change. So it's also about recognizing that when those things get thrown at you, dealing with those on the day-to-day, -day, that's an accomplishment too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for that. Awesome. So those are really great techniques. Um, on top of that, what is your greatest piece of advice for any manager out there who might find themselves getting overwhelmed with everything uh, that they have to deal with on a daily basis? Relax. 
there's never going to be a shortage of things to be done. <laughs> there will always be work to be done, and you will get the work done. Just yeah. start somewhere and keep going. Relax. I like that. Awesome. Um, so back on the you have been with Making Ways for 20 years, which is amazing, you must have some ideas about what a company can do to retain their staff. Can you touch on that a little bit for us? Sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, having staff who are happy and committed is and should be the number one priority uh, mm -hmm. for any company because if your staff are happy, then they're going to deliver the product that you want them to deliver. Um, and I think, you know, some of the things that, that we've done really well at Making Waves you know, there's the, there's the basic things like warm water so they're comfortable, um, you know, cheering for them, making sure they feel valued, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the biggest thing that we've been able to maintain that we work really hard on is culture. Um, and we make sure that our staff are, are, are happy and that they feel appreciated and that they enjoy coming to work and that they feel safe and valued. Um, and we do a lot of things to try and allow for them to socialize. So, I mean, we, we firmly believe in, you know, staff who play together stay together. So yeah. if, if they have opportunities to socialize, to hang out with each other, um, then they, they stick around longer, right? I've, I've made some of my closest friends through working at this company. And I think that's because of that sort of social, positive culture element that I think is, is really, really important and has been a challenge to try to continue to maintain as we've grown. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and say that we're perfect. I would never do that, but I think we do a good job of trying to ensure that that, you know, family sort of feeling and, um, and value really for the staff that they still feel that positive culture. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So as we know, like there's a national, crisis for lifeguards and aquatic staff totally, yeah. the culture the cheering for each other is awesome to retain staff I think that's a really good technique um but as we know aquatics has the biggest turnover like so it's hard I think I think you know the industry starting to change in a little bit and I'm not I don't even say starting I think it started to change a little while ago you know, that people stopped looking at it as a for now job and actually started to see it as a forever job. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the reason there's such high turnover is because, you know, a lot of the instructors are quite young. Yeah. Right? Instructors and lifeguards, it's their first job. You have them until they go off to school and then they may or may not come back. So there, yeah, there's definitely lots of turnover. Whatever you can do to try to keep mm -hmm. that staff coming back is, is key. Exactly. I mean, I know... When I was in high school, got my first job as a lifeguard, mm -hmm. it was never my forever job. Right. Right? Like right. it was, I was never like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I think it's one of those industries where you fall in love with it. You never go to high school and you're like, hmm, I should be an aquatics manager. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's true. I mean, I didn't see it as my career path either. I wanted to be a lawyer. So. Wow. Yeah. And that was what I went to school for. So. Um, and then it just, I, I fell in love with the people, right? Yeah. It's, it's the, the energy level of the kinds of people that are in aquatics, the good ones anyway. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and the rest is history, like I said. So, I mean, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. That's amazing. Thanks so much. So on the cheer and culture, 
How can we inspire our team to be the best and give them the opportunity to take leadership with their team and grow? Wow. Um, well, I think the biggest thing to do is to lead by example. Um, you know, people want to do as you do, not do as you say. So I think if you lead by example and cheer for them um, and recognize any small thing mm -hmm. that they do that was exceptional or that was the right thing, catch them doing things right and acknowledge it mm -hmm. in a timely fashion. Um, and then they start to realize that that's exactly what they should be doing. And you can flat out have the conversation. This is what I want you to be doing. I want you to feel empowered to motivate your team and cheer for them and make them feel good and make them want to be here. And if you do the same thing for your team, mm -hmm. it's going to make it a lot easier for them to do it for others. Thank you. Okay, Carrie, last few questions for you. Okay, here we go. Okay, so what are you most passionate about in the aquatics industry? I think it has to be, well, obviously it would be learn to swim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Making Waves and that's all we do. <laughs> um, it has to be learn to swim and it has to be that we are delivering a life skill to children in every community that we're a part of. Um, Carolyn Bennett, who was a former um, MPP, she's quoted as saying that uh, learning how to swim is just as important as learning how to read and write. And I subscribe to that wholeheartedly. I think that every child should know how to swim. And so I think what I'm most passionate about is the fact that we do just that and that we're able to deliver a life skill to children because every, every child should learn how to swim. I agree. I wholehearted agree. It's a, it's a life skill. It's mm -hmm. not a, you it's can not a choose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So on top of that, where would you like to see the industry in 20 years? I'd love to see something happen whereby swimming lessons become something that's mandatory for kids. Yeah. Um, I don't think that necessarily matters whether or not it's public or private schools that are teaching the children how to swim. I just think it's exceptionally important for every child to learn how to swim. And if we could get to a place, especially in Canada, being surrounded by so much water, if we could get to a place where every child had to learn how to swim, that would be an incredible accomplishment. I agree. I think that schools should promote that. I think some places in the UK are doing that, actually. Really? Yeah, I've heard about some places. I can't quote right off the top of my head, but I know uh, one one country in the UK is. Right. And I mean, the Life Saving Society Swim to Survive, mm -hmm. um, you know, for, I think it's grade threes, um, is, is awesome. I think it's a great starting point. Yeah. I would love to see the industry get even more advanced than that. Yeah, awesome. Um, and last question. What can we do in our community to prevent drownings and advocate about water safety? Well, I think we just have to keep doing what we're doing and get the messaging out there, right? Um, you know, it's actually it's quite timely because this is National Drowning Prevention Week. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, just continuously getting those messages out there getting them into schools, getting them out at places where families are spending time uh, and educating the public about water safety. It, it boggles my mind how many people 
there are that can't swim, but they're not afraid of the water. And, you know, they really, really should have a healthy fear of the water. So I think just continuing to get those messages out there, like I said, to schools, to places where families are, um, you know, social media, um, participating in the world's largest swimming lesson, like all these kinds of different initiatives that there are to continue to participate in and to just keep talking about it and keep it on people's radar so that they, they understand. I, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's so important. And like working at a public pool and working at, um, a water park, Mm -hmm. it is crazy to see when I'm, I'm watching these things when I worked at those places and, and people didn't know, Mm -hmm. Oh, can you swim? Yes, I can swim in the shallow end. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by you can swim? Well, I can touch in the shallow end. Well, no. You were telling me a story a couple weeks ago about being at a party. And um, there was a, a, a girl in the, in the deep end that didn't know how to swim. And you had to jump in after her. Yeah. That's crazy. They, Yeah. She was just on the floating device. And she was like, if I don't fall off, I'm good. Yeah. Right? And, and that's... That's scary to any aquatics professional, right? Absolutely. But at a pool party, what am I going to say? No, stay in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I've had a very similar experience at a cottage where um, one of my friend's cousins was there and she was, you know, out on the lake floating around mm-hmm. and she admitted that she didn't know how to swim. And I was like, what? Put a life jacket on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. And I think that we just have to keep we have to keep getting that message out there. People need to understand how important it is to learn to swim mm-hmm. or how important it is to stay away from the water if you don't know how to swim. Yeah, I agree. Well, Carrie, that's the end. Thank you for answering <laughs> all of my questions and my thanks for coming on with me. Thank you for having me, Paige. It's quite an honor. I appreciate it. So I hope that conversation and this episode resonates with you and I hope you got something from it. Carrie gives us some great advice that I know I'm going to be bringing um, into my leadership style and to my facility. So please, if this resonated with you, if you took something from this, comment, like, share, subscribe to my podcast, get the word out, please. Um, Because our main goal is to help aquatics professionals within this community and prevent drownings and advocate about water safety. So until next time, guys, see ya.